0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. On this issue of of vaccination, where we stand, what the benefit of vaccination is, I mean, I I would have thought by now we know that there is a benefit, significant benefit, to being vaccinated. This is Roy speaking for Roy not Roy speaking for you necessarily, although I hope I am. But let's continue with the issue of vaccines and add the question of vaccinating children. Now, last weekend, Paul Lucas, the former president and CEO of GSK, spoke about the development of vaccines for children. Joining us today is Dr. Michael Curry, Professor in Vaccination and Infectious Diseases at UBC, University of British Columbia, also the Chief of Emergency Medicine at Delta Hospital in British Columbia. Dr. Curry, good to have you back on the program uh i i shouldn't i shouldn't have to ask you this but to the person who just still refuses to accept that vaccination is the way to go that the step to take what do you
1: say to that person to be honest roy at this point in the game i don't engage in that conversation anymore there's so much information out there in the world that if a person has a firm belief they don't want to get vaccinated i to be honest i don't want to waste my breath it's uh You learn in emergency medicine very quickly that uh, arguing with alcoholics is generally not very productive when they're intoxicated. And I've come to the same route with people who are militantly anti-vaccine. There are patients who have questions and they've never spoken to a health professional before. They usually have some ideas off social media that it's a bad thing, but they've heard from more conventional media that it's a good thing. And so those patients, I'll happily have a conversation with. But for those who are militantly anti-vaccinating, it's like trying to convert somebody to a different religion. It's not a conversation worth having in a limited professional encounter when I have 30 other patients in the waiting room.
0: Yeah, of those 30 other patients who have waiting in the waiting room, is there an increasing number, an ever-increasing number of patients dealing with COVID?
1: So I work in two locations, where I work in British Columbia. I'm in a suburb of Vancouver that's uh, very vaccinated. I'm seeing a little bit of COVID, um, but it's not an overwhelming amount. I also work part time in northern Alberta, doing what we call rural locums, where I help out rural rural areas where they don't have as many physicians, and that's a whole different ballgame. There's a, for a number of reasons, there's very high unvaccination rates in northern Alberta, and it's a ridiculous amount of patients we're seeing, and unfortunately, a significant chunk of them are very sick, and there's nothing more heartbreaking than to see somebody very sick with something that you know they would be much less sick or not sick at all had they chosen to get vaccinated.
0: Dr. Curry, Global News is reporting today that the president of Moderna is saying a COVID vaccine booster shot may be necessary for Canadians by Christmas when the flu season hits and perhaps the protection of COVID vaccinations from earlier this year may wane somewhat. What are your thoughts on this?
1: So um, right now, we still have good protection from the vaccines that are available right now. However, the data shows largely from Israel, which was one of the first countries to be largely vaccinated, that this immunity does wane over time and that probably the Delta variant is a little bit less susceptible to the vaccines than the Alpha variant that the vaccine was designed against, although the vaccine is still pretty effective against Delta, all things considered. So I do think there might be some value to vaccinating. The big question, though, is the value of giving a third vaccination to people who already have pretty good protection, the majority of Canadians. Is that worth diverting supplies from, say, the developing world, where in Africa, almost every country is less than 5% vaccinated? Is it worth, on a global scale, diverting resources to make extra sure of people in wealthy countries being protected versus offering some protection as opposed to no protection in the developing world. And I think that's the ethical issue. If we're just thinking about Canada, I think it's a good idea. If we're thinking about the global picture, it's more complicated.
0: So the two provinces in which you work, British Columbia and Alberta, plus Saskatchewan, all want the Johnson & Johnson one-dose vaccine. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So not surprisingly, data is coming out now suggesting that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, a second dose, will make it comparably effective to the mRNA vaccine. So they took a gamble, Johnson & Johnson, as a selling point, everybody would prefer one vaccination over two. As a selling point, they designed their study to see if they could get approval for it being just a one-shot vaccine. They did get approval for it, it does work, but tellingly, the effectiveness of the one-shot Johnson & Johnson is about the same as the effectiveness of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine if you only get one shot. So we're now moving up, and there's a good trial on it that Johnson & Johnson getting a second dose, which takes away its main competitive advantage, but it gives you protection close to, if not about the same, as what we're getting with the mRNA two-dose vaccines.
0: And uh, in the last 48 hours, I've seen news stories about uh, a new pill by Merck, and I'm probably going to do damage to the name here, but I'll give it a go, Molnupiravir. Supposed to cut hospitalizations by fifty percent. Are we are we on the lookout for new medication? Are there new medications, new new uh, tools to combat COVID, constantly appearing or being developed?
1: There is Roy, and, and I practice the pronunciation of this, thinking you might ask me this question. So I think it's molpuninavir Mopun, is uh, the name of the agent, and it's basically an antiviral drug you take by mouth. It's being marketed in the U.S with a $700 cost for a course, and the data, which hasn't been peer-reviewed and published, but it's been sort of released by press release, shows about a 48% reduction in both hospitalization and death in people who are treated with it. That's actually pretty impressive. There's a lot of things that we do in medicine that have effects way less than a 48% reduction in, um, in death and hospitalization. We do have one other medicine, an older medicine, something called dexamethasone, it doesn't keep people out of hospital and if given to people out of hospital it's actually been shown to maybe make them a little bit worse although not not uh, substantially so but it has been shown that if you're admitted to hospital your chance of dying is cut by around 50% with the dexamethasone medicine and that's really been our only real treatment until now for it so with the de- with the development of Molpunivir and hopefully a new treatment that will help reduce both hospitalization, so people sick at home can take it, as well as deaths, should you lead, lead into hospital, uh, I think it's potentially a great development. However, uh, the data has uh, the data has not been widely released or critiqued as of yet.
0: Dr. Curry, at the beginning of the hour, I spoke with the uh, president of the Canadian Medical Association, Dr. Catherine Smart, and we were talking about vaccinations and specifically about what's going on in Saskatchewan and Alberta, but She was talking about uh, reaching herd immunity, and Dr. Smart said it's not going to happen until we get to the point where we vaccinate children, 15% of the population. So last weekend, we spoke with the former president of GSK, Mr. Paul Lucas, was our guest, and we talked about the development of vaccines for children, particularly those 5 to 11 years of age. What are your thoughts on vaccinating children, particularly those under the age of 12?
1: Well, first off, I, I've learned long ago never to disagree with somebody named Dr. Smart. Uh, Catherine, I think, is right on the money. Uh, we know for a whole bunch of infections, our general cold and influenza spread among children is one of the big reservoirs. It's where the virus lives. And any parent who's had a child in daycare or kindergarten knows there's a tremendous amount of uh, infectious disease spread in those environments. So Catherine is completely correct that uh, until children are vaccinated, We're not going to have herd immunity because they're a big chunk of our population. We put them in, lock them in rooms together. We know their hygiene isn't the best. Their immune systems are actually pretty good with fighting off COVID, but they are still very likely to pick it up. And so really, until we can immunize children, I agree with Catherine. I think herd immunity is out of reach.
0: Dr. Curry, thank you so much for the time. I always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you.
1: Thank you very much, Roy. Have yourself a great afternoon.
0: You too.